Welcome to this, the second episode of Techie Diatribe with Snacks, a humble little program, a podcast about technology, life, and other mischief. I'm your host, Christopher. Joining me shortly is a co-worker of mine. You met him last week, Mr. Gustavo. Our esteemed guest this week is our good friend, Mr. Andrew. Here, we, along with the sharp minds of our guests, provide fresh commentary on the latest news so you have some perspective before you shell out money on stuff. If you have a tech question or ideas for a segment, go to techiediatribe.com and send us a message. Today, we will be discussing early 20th century flight, drones, tacos, and some other things. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, 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 Gus. What's up? Are you there? Do you have your tech, Gus? Of course. Do you have your Do you have your snacks, or did you eat them already? I already eat them. Aww. I'm sorry. I'm a I'm a gullible man. <laughs> gullible or glutton? I've got Reese's dipped pretzels, and these are amazing. Oh my goodness! What What were you eating? Some cinnamon rolls that my friend bring me over. Yeah. I saw your uh, your littlest one. She came to the door. She was curious who was at the door. Those guys are so precious. So, if you aren't sure who Gustavo is, tune in to the last episode we did. Gustavo talks about how he came to America and how he became a software developer. And he told us some real interesting uh, things about Mexico. I really like the, the story you told us about the Wiseman gifts. I, I did not know that. That was so interesting. Plus, who joined us today? Uh, our friend, Andrew. He is also from Mexico, and he also has a, it's a Java developer, so he's on the dark side. And, um, and he also do something very interesting as a hobby while he was living over here in the USA. And what was that? Drones. All he right, Miss, folks, this is Mr. Andrew joining us. Andrew, so and you are here. You are here to tell us about drones. Uh, and, and Gustavo told us that you are from Mexico. Um, what's going on where you live right now? Nowadays, I'm living in, in the Mexico City, the main city in, in whole Mexico country. Uh, there is a small part of the of the area called Guajimalpa. That's the place I'm living right now. And it's really, really cool. It's like the, the top area in the city. You look very good, my friend. I see that you've been losing some weight. <laughs> Nowadays I have to, I have to. Now I'm not living alone. My my family is giving me healthy food now. When I was living there, I was eating everything I saw in I watch on TV. Now, how did you two guys uh, get to know each other? You uh, you met here in in the states, right? That's right. That's right. I joined into USA in 2014. I met Gustavo there in that year. Okay, and that was that was here yeah. in Michigan. 
That's right. In Michigan. Do you remember, Gustavo? Do you remember? Yes, we were living in a guest house for the company that we were working for. And while well, we find a project, and that's when we meet. And since then, we've been very good friends. Excellent. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. And before we uh, before we get into the recent event segment, can you do me a favor? Yes. Um, ask Gustavo to move his big head a little bit over to the left because it's it's blocking my view. Um, it's taking up half my screen. <laughs> Did okay. If you I want keep... me to move more? <laughs> if I keep acting like this, um, I'm not going to get invited back. All right. So this brings us to our recent event segment. Verizon and UPS are teaming up to uh, offer a drone delivery, and it looks like they're really going to do this. They'll be delivering packages for real in the villages in Florida. And they, of course, showcased this venture at the at this year's CES. Verizon Skyward provides a 4G and 5G wideband network, which UPS drone service can use for navigation and air traffic control, and uh, it uses that to make deliveries. When I first heard about drone delivery, um, I... It, it scared me a little bit. I worked at UPS through college, and I just had this picture in my head of hundreds and hundreds of these drones just taken off from the hub with their propellers spinning really fast, these razor-sharp <laughs> propellers, and uh, things flying at the same height as airplanes and a bunch of chaos. And I'm like, what could possibly go wrong? But when I saw this article, I was reassured what it looks like is a UPS driver would drive a truck to a neighborhood and then from the truck the drones would take off down the street or across the block and uh, deliver packages to doorstep and then uh, uh, where Verizon comes in is they have a Skyward platform and they they offer wideband network so instead of like the 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 driver having a little uh little joystick dingy direct the plane it's a lot more complex and complicated than that and it's a, it's a serious air traffic control system yeah and they're actually going to use it and they're going to be doing it in florida and it'll be interesting to see how, how that works out so i i have a lot more uh, faith in drone delivery and other applications for drones and we'll we'll just see what happens and if anything this year taught us that there's a need for for innovation you know, we're, we're all at home and we're, we're trying to figure out how to get food delivered and, and whatnot. And who knows, maybe maybe the next thing they'll do is deliver food. That was our recent segment. So this is going to bring us back to our, our guest expert. Andrew, tell us, uh, tell us about tell us about drones. Now, technically, uh, a drone, the kind of drone that you use is a quadcopter. Where uh, yes. what what drones are actually is a, a, a military device. The strict uh, definition of it in the 1970s, the military used radio uh, aircraft. I know there are some people in my neighborhood in the 80s. They had uh, RC planes and they had RC cars. The military used uh, uh, those types of devices for reconnaissance in the 1970s. The unmanned aerial vehicle that we all know of as a drone didn't really come about until the 1980s. And then the militarized, the weaponized drones that we think about and we're scared of 
Those came about in the early 2000s, and the first targeted killing uh, was carried out by the CIA, and that happened in 2002. But there are also uh, there are also commercial drones, and there are um, uh, consumer consumer devices that you can buy, and uh, you're you're operating the consumer devices. So tell us about them. That's right, as you said, I'm using only civil equipment, only chip development in USA. Everything is almost from Texas Instruments or or ST Electronics, and uh, the potential is really good. As you said, uh, for example, drone delivery, there, that will be a big, huge um, uh, join to the market. They will try to, to reach more people. But as you said, they will be some kind of dangerous because propeller will be spinning around and that will be um, well, companies have to put attention in maintenance as cars, as uh, any kind of uh, mobile device uh, must be, uh, must have some maintenance. If there is no proper maintenance, uh, the drone will not, uh, will be flying or that will be a dangerous thing. What kind of maintenance do you do uh, on the drones that you have? Well, believe it or not, Drones need oil, after okay. all, like cars, because every internal part, for example, the, the motors is spinning and spinning and spinning, and that needs some kind of oil to keep the, the rotor moving faster and without any obstruction or problem, I mean. So you have to keep it, uh, working it well. Drones at this time cannot work in some kind of weather like raining or snowing, so only will work on summer at this time. Maybe in the future, there will be a way to find, uh, they, somebody will find a way to use them in rainy conditions or snowing condition. Windy condition also is some kind of dangerous for flying a drone. And there are some other thing. Uh, there is a, a special rules. Uh, you cannot fly the drone with, if there is people. For example, drone delivery in cities will be a very difficult topic for any legal issue or any legal situation because it's not allowed to fly very close to people. It's not allowed to fly very ne uh, near, near to an airport. So there is a long way before drone delivery starts. There are some cities in USA that they start doing some kind of testing but it's not uh, for the next year. The uh, drone delivery will be not available for the next year, I think so. But, but also it's a profession that should be uh, like, you have like a certification to do that, right? There are two ways. Uh, the first one, if you fly like uh, just for fun, you don't need to have a certification. You have to be registered, that's true but you don't need to do any specific thing. Thing, But if you want to do by drone flying for commercial, yes, you have to get a license. You have to try to get some kind of insurance. You have to register properly to the Federal Aviation, I don't remember the name, FAA. Yeah, it would be the FAA here. And uh, where, where you live, where you live, you would have a, a similar a, a, a similar government body that would handle uh, those kind uh, of regulations yeah, the, in Mexico. It's yeah. kind of like the Air Force. 
something okay. like that for in Mexico. It's exactly. And thanks thanks God we are following USA standards and Canada is following the USA standards too. So yeah. whatever you do in USA, you can do the same in Mexico at this time because this, the rules are the same. You have to be properly registered. It doesn't matter if it's USA or Mexico or Canada. That's one of the things that had to do with the with the new uh, treaty that Trump was renegotiating with the Canada and Mexico. One of the goals would be consistency. That's right. And okay. and uh, I'm sure that 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 extends past uh, drone delivery uh, operation. A commercial drone can cost uh, between a thousand and ten thousand dollars, and there are probably some that cost a lot more. The one the one thing that I I would I would guess uh, that's used that that commercial drones are used a lot for right now at least are, are for photography. Um, when I lived in Cleveland, um, the last summer that I lived there, they were filming the one of the the fast and furious movies i, I don't remember which one there's so many um and it was right on the street that i i worked in so we would walk down for lunch and we would see the uh the cars and uh there were there were three days that i remember in particular that they had a they had like a spin out scene uh for one and it was this big four by four truck it spun out and they had these uh, the smoke to make it look like the tires are spinning and then these drones came up and they they filmed the whole thing for about five days that summer, I remember there being helicopters way up high in the morning and uh, uh, in the evening. So they're filming, um, they're filming like uh, just stock traffic scenes with that. It was so cool to, to see how they how they film that. Um, what are some uh, what are some other applications currently used right now for consumer drones that you know about? Well, as you said, photographic uh, or films is one of the first one. Uh, others seems to be from medical attention, not for, uh, I mean, for transportation, send some kind of uh, organs to another hospital in the fast way, avoiding traffic or, or waste or use a lot of money in a heavy helicopters. That's some, that will be another, another useful idea. And some other people is think, thinking about astronomy to put some kind of lens in a drone, move it away from the city or some light condition that will be not useful for a, for astronomy and put that, that thing in the air to, to observe the stars or some kind of that. So um, that was I mean, that was cool. I, I learned some stuff uh, just now. We talked about regulation. And uh, I learned something here also. Um, I, I, would I would assume that, that Europe, that if you went to Europe, the regulations would be different. But it sounds like countries, at least on this side of the pond, are trying to have consistent, uh, consistent rules. And that just makes things easier for the big companies that want to, to operate them. Uh, to get the ball rolling internationally with the services that they want to try. Recently, uh, in the last three months, I want to say, they passed legislation in the U.S. where the drone does not have to be within line of sight of the the person controlling it. So a air traffic control system like like this, like the Skyward uh, UPS uh, collaboration, if you will. Uh, would would be able to work. So a, a UPS driver could park in a neighborhood. The 
air traffic control system would be in charge. And if it flew just out of sight, if there's a tree in the way or it went down the block, uh, that would still be okay because because the regulations have updated where it doesn't have to be within direct line of sight of the – of the the person piloting it uh, and as uh andrew and gustavo pointed out um that pilot would need to have the licenses and the training before he would be able to go to that neighborhood and make that delivery if if there was a drone at the the big drone store or best buy wherever it is and it was behind glass and it's your dream drone like what would it be? I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking Wayne's World when that guitar is behind glass, and he's like, "It will be mine. It will be mine." What is your dream? What is your dream drone that you wish you had? Wow, there is a, a big one from the USA military. I didn't remember the name, but I just saw it in every movie about the space. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. It's a big, big plane. Not bigger than a, I think so, a, a car, but it can fly like two or three days without any human interaction, just keeping uh, in the air, taking pictures, taking video, taking uh, weather conditions. So be up there and watch everything should be great for, I think for me, will be great to put an eye in the sky in that way. That would be so cool. that will be my my wish to have one kind of drone, one drone of that kind. So if you went to uh, the prettiest place you've ever been on vacation or otherwise, that's that's the drone you'd want to have and you'd want to do photography. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's right. really cool for me. That that would have been like... really great for like like in Mexico for monitoring the volcanoes, the active volcanoes. That would be really great too. Well, they can also use that in emergency if there's a if there's a wildfire or a, vol- a volcano. You know, they can they can find they can find uh, survivors and go uh, rescue them. Are, yeah. are are there some other applications that you can think of where in the next five years we are likely to see drone technology uh, in the commercial sphere? Wow, that's a, a good question. Time ago, few years ago, I was thinking we will drive cars with drones, but nowadays. Uh, for example, Tesla is doing everything automatic, so they don't use drones. They just go with a lot of cameras in the car. They don't need a, a drone a head to to tell you there is a pothole or something you have to to move uh, to the next line or something like that. So technology will be impressive for me. It's still changing everything and moving forward for. To make our lives easy so how do those how do those devices stay how do they fly there are out there there are several drones different configurations one propeller two propellers three four six sometimes you can see eight propellers but uh but all of them have a, a same a same principal method to fly there is a chip called accelerometer the accelerometer okay. helps you to, to tell you how is the the circuit board aligned to the magnetic field of the earth. For example, if you are flying horizontally, it can detect how many, but it tells you the position of the drone in relation from the ground. So that will 
tells to the CPU of the drone, the put more energy to the propellers and still fly, and still fly. And then just to keep it stable, I would assume there would be some gyroscopes inside of it? Well, the most basic ones, the cheaper thing, for example, you can get one in Walmart store or Target. The cheapest ones just have the accelerometer. The most expensive, they have magnetometer, gyroscopes, and some other technologies to help you to avoid obstacles in the while they are flying. So it depends how much money pay for the drone. It will be the technology they will be on board. The big companies will probably make these drones self-flyable, like the cars that they self-drivable. What kind of what kind of promises have uh, technologists and these uh, these uh, memes uh, that we see and the stuff that you see on, on social media that's very sensational? What kind of things like that have you seen that you don't think are going to pan out? You think are a little bit further in the future, a little far fetched? right now, today? Oh, well, in the future. In the future, the sky is the so limit. Important. So you think that maybe the truck will drive itself to the neighborhood and then somebody in, a, in some warehouse is gonna be flying drones to deliver the packages? Something like that? Some kind, yeah, that will be really common in the future. You can see nowadays space delivering, I mean, somebody, several companies, they are putting some kind of satellites outside of the planet there is they, they don't need any human interaction if some people can do that here in the earth some people can definitely there will be some drone delivery in the future you think probably like in the next five years it's not uh practical that that drones will just take over and be completely autonomous that'll take some time yeah that will be for sure in less than five years Okay. They will be without. They will be working without human activity, only for maintenance, only that. Bigger things in the works. Long story short, but but here we are. Here we are. Like like these little devices are so cool, and we haven't even tapped into all of the the applications that they can be used for. Do you think maybe there there are some evil aspects or some uncomfortable aspects to drone technology? Yeah, uncomfortable, yeah, because well, there are some kind of spying and some people want to know the secret secrets from each other. Uh, not in a neighbor area, I mean, if I can get the whole Boeing company or any other company is they, they handle the, their technology, I would like to, to send something to spy them. Okay. Or maybe some of the companies will do the, the spying with drones. So, it's a, so I think so that would be comfortable. You would agree there's definitely a need for a regulation in that area also. Yeah, even that, uh, something that surprised me just the previous year, uh, on eBay site, on the eBay site, I found uh, somebody is selling the technology to hijack drone signals. Drone signals? So you can... Take the ownership of another drone in the air. Imagine that. Oh, wow. They should be aware of everything that could happen if somebody do it for malicious purposes. Yeah, for example, nowadays, uh, WhatsApp has some kind of encryption, end-to-end. -end. 
but drone signals doesn't have encryption. They definitely have to work on that type of communication in the drone so they don't have to be so hackable because that was one of the other questions that I had, like, could the interference of signals on the FM radio or somebody on, on other could happen that you lost communication with the drone and that's why they, they don't shouldn't be flying so high and 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 could potentially hit somebody and and cause uh, damage to other people to uh, to wrap this up uh, we would say that uh, we could all agree that there's definitely need for uh, legislation on a number of different fronts however the technology is amazing and we are definitely going to see some some exciting uh, developments and, and new applications for that. Andrew, thank you so much for, for joining us for this segment. Gustavo was our, our expert last week, and I gave him an A+. Plus. Um, I'm going to give you an A++. Plus plus. I'm going to uh, one-up Gustavo here. Why are you giving a better word than me? our history segment human flight really began before 1903 and far away from Dayton Ohio but the Wright brothers were absolutely brilliant and although they didn't hold engineering degrees from prestigious universities in 1902 they used math and a homemade wind tunnel to figure out that the common equation for determining drag was wrong they bent hacksaw blades and other items to form airfoils, attached strings, and then crunched the numbers to develop the second iteration of their flyer that year, this time with a long narrow wing instead of a short fat one. In the summer, the improved flyer with an aluminum block gasoline powered engine did fly, but they weren't able to control it. So they went back home and continued their experiments for another year, and in 1903 they successfully tested the first controlled powered flight in human history. A photographer came along and snapped a photo, and I have a large print hanging in my office, just above my desk. My favorite part is a small curly thread captured on the camera lens in the bottom right corner of the picture. David McCulloch documents their achievements so eloquently in his book about the Wright Brothers. I highly recommend reading or listening to the audiobook. At the end, he tells a touching story of how these two brothers toured the world, giving demonstrations to the public of their invention allowing passengers into their plane one by one for a brief flight. At one demonstration, their father got in line, boarded the small plane, and went up gracefully into the sky. Overjoyed in the experience, he shouted, Higher! 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 And isn't that what we've done? Technologists created planes that crossed the country and the globe. At the end of the 1960s, man walked on the moon. Satellites zoom around in Earth's orbit as we speak, providing communication and scientific data collection and unmanned spacecraft have traveled to the outer reaches of our solar system and beyond. And where will they take us next? I don't know, but I'm sure it will be amazing. And if you have a tech question or suggestions for a segment or have some feedback for us, please go to techydiatribe.com and uh, click the connect button and send us a message. Gus, are you ready for the mailbag? Of course I am. <laughs> All right, take it away, Gus. Well, yes. 
So the first point is on the last episode, we talk about the Christmas stars. And one of our friends listening to the podcast and complained that we didn't talk about uh, a little bit more. So one of the things that we wanted to point out is like it's only a 800 year event. And we, yeah, the weather was really bad and we couldn't take any pictures on that. So I'm sorry about that, Peter, but you know, we love you. There's a there's an anonymous uh, listener wrote in wanting to know if Gus got his cinnamon rolls. Gus, did you get your cinnamon rolls? Of course I did, my friend. I already ate them. My kids love them. My mom my mom wrote to us and said, Chris, please change your the picture on your site. You need to look happy like Gus. So um, I did that. I updated <laughs> the site. Yeah. So at least my mother is too seriously, man. At least my mother is visiting the the, the site, and we still haven't. Uh, anyways, moving on. And uh, on to our next segment, food. Hey, Gus. Do you remember yes. that? Do you remember that one time you invited me over and showed me how to make corn tortillas? Of course, I with did. a tortilla tortilla press. You know what I'm gonna make this yeah. week? You know what I'm gonna make this week? Yeah, you're going to make some tacos? I'm going to make some tacos. I've got pork shoulder in the freezer and in the fridge. Bone-in pork shoulder. So I'm going to cut that up into small strips. I'm going to season that with cumin, onion powder, black pepper. And then I'm going to stew that in uh, black beans. I'm going to add some diced tomatoes. I'm going to add some oregano, a little bit of salt, some garlic. I'm going to let that yeah. stew all day, and then I'm going to make some corn tortillas too thin, just like you told me, too thin tortillas stacked on top of each other. And I'm going to uh, spread the the taco goodness on there, and then I'm going to take some Monterey Jack cheese. I'm going to shred that on there. And I'm yeah. going to do what I always do. I'm going to send you a picture of that. That sounds delicious. So what... And what yeah, my wife, my wife and I made uh, some... Uh, uh, variants of the thai food that 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 we used to eat outside sometimes and we went i buy some meat and we made the variants and i also grab some uh flour tortillas so i can make um some burritos but yeah tacos are really good too she makes the the corn tortillas and we we eat the tacos do you remember the taqueria victoria where we used to go to to have lunch oh yeah Definitely the best Mexican food in the area. Now, is there a uh, is there a Thai recipe that 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 I could try, Gus? Is there a, a dish that that you can think of? It's called um, pad khao. I'm going to try that, Andrew. Yeah. I I want to someday. I want to to visit uh, Mexico City. I really do, and that's one reason why I'm. I want to get better at, at speaking Spanish. And to to you and Gustavo, I'm sure it's uh, it's second nature uh, driving through, seeing some of those places. But to me, it looks like a very bright and colorful and vibrant place. Tell me about the food in Mexico City. Okay, very close to the Zócalo. That place uh, Gustavo told you. There are... Uh, uh, a hotel called Mexico Hotel. The uh, restaurant there has a very large 
uh, I don't know, tradition, food tradition there. Traditional food. So yes. I suggest you to try the, well, you know, beer, that's the common one, but Cochinita Pibil. That's oh. the dish name. Right over there, there's another uh, really traditional place that you should visit also in, in, in Mexico. And it's, um, and it's called Sanborns. And it's um, it's a it's a it's a kind of like a, a store where they sell everything, and 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 but also they have a restaurant, and and the the name is the Sambors of the Azulejos or Sambors de los Azulejos, and it's in the corner, it's uh, it's in the corner, right across. The, the the Bellas Artes uh, building. Oh, okay. And 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 you can order anything from the menu over there. Yeah, like if you go to Hotel Mexico, then next day you can go up there. And and it's really nice because it's a it's a like a regulated restaurant and it's not like a, a street food or something that you have to eat or or anything over there. But it's very uh, acquainted by a lot of people over there. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Special thanks to Andrew joining us all the way from uh, Mexico City. Um, I took notes on those two places that uh, he told me to check out. And when, not if, when I visit, I'm, I'm going to check those out. <laughs>